Hi, and welcome to Breaching Extinction. This week I had the privilege of interviewing Bianca Ewan, a wildlife filmmaker who recently produced the film Blackfish Effect. She's a recent graduate of the University of West England with a master's degree in wildlife filmmaking. Hope you guys enjoy. I got you. Oh my gosh. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking the time to let me interview you. Um, yeah, yeah I'm no, super stoked. How is, how's school been? How's life treating you? Yeah, good. Um, pretty, pretty stoked to be, um, finished and I had a, an excellent time on Friday at the screening and it was just really nice to uh, see everyone there and finally see um, my finished film on the big screen. That was uh, quite a surreal yeah. moment, really. Oh, no doubt. That is like, that's so awesome. I can't wait for it to come out. Um, yeah. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, well, it's great to be here. Um, so the Blackfish Effect uh, is a short film about the change in public opinion that kind of rippled through the industry as a result of the release of the film Blackfish um, back in 2013. So that film just made an in- incredible impact um, within the pe- the people that did watch it and just slowly um, but surely one by one started to kind of create this domino effect eventually kind of crippling the industry altogether. So my film kind of focuses on the after effects that's now six years on that are still um, being impacted from from the film, and that's the um, the, tra- the growing trade in China. So the last um, the last capture of the killer whales of wild killer whales was still um, going on in Russia, and um, and the blackfish effect essentially was the reason why they went out and caught more orcas than they had ever before. They were worried that it was the last chance that they would have their last bite at the apple, as my interviewee says. And Wow. And, yeah, so they went out and caught those and then, um, and yeah, so it's essentially about the, the end of the totaling end of the industry. Wow. So... Did you get to talk to anybody that did killer whale captures or like who were you interviewing for this film or what, like, what did that process look like? Um, so I didn't speak to anyone who did the captures. It was more about, I spoke to, uh, Tim Zimmerman, who's the associate, um, producer and co writer mm-hmm. of Blackfish, um, kind of to understand a bit more about why or what he thought that the, the impact that the film would have. And they had no idea, um, just how active people would, would get after the release of the film. So, you know, the, all, all these protests started up. Um, there became this, you know, social media hashtag, you know, saying watch Blackfish. It just, there was a huge support from celebrities. And it, it just went, it just went wild. It just went viral. And, and he had no idea. And then I also spoke to, um, uh, Dr. Naomi Rose, who is a marine mammal specialist. And she essentially taught me, uh, well, she spoke to me about how, how the industry was before the release of the film and how it is now. And 
and then also how it is how it is essentially impacting on China. So she didn't really go into um, too much of of the captures that were that funded that the were, Sea World one. Uh huh. The southern residents, but she did go into a bit of the the captures that were going on in Russia. But because it was quite hush hush and it's you know it's it's a bit of a sensitive topic i didn't i didn't actually get to speak to anyone who was doing the captures of course not because that's yeah that's not how russians work um and everything's super secretive so obviously yeah of course you wouldn't be able to talk to them um so what like so essentially what you found out was that like when this film came out it basically kind of just like shook the whole world of killer world captures and cetacean captures and people were just trying to catch as many as they could before they they had to stop essentially what it is is that so the film was released in in 2013 and uh-huh. 3 years after the film was released because of the public backlash um, uh-huh. within America and that spread to the rest of the world SeaWorld announced that they were no longer going to um, oh, to breed killer whales. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, okay. so they, they had stopped capturing completely and they, they were essentially breeding, captively breeding all of their killer whales. Mm-hmm. So they were captively breeding. And then because of the initial public backlash from the release of the film, they had so much pressure and they'd lost so much, um, so much support and, uh, of, um, people, visitors and whatnot coming in that they said, okay, we're eventually going to phase out orca shows and we're completely going to stop the, um, the breeding. Right. And then so d- during this time, um, all it is is that China is just a, a, f- a couple of decades behind. And so what they saw was that the industry was growing in uh, America and Europe and it was becoming this highly profitable industry and so what is going on there is that it's just a young industry and it's starting to really ah, kick off. Gross. So they in the past, so <laughs> the past four nothing? years. Yeah, well that's well it all all it is 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 just um so obviously media has a lot to do with it and the spread of media. Um but within China um it's very hard to infiltrate um, into the Chinese media because it is filtered. So mm-hmm. they, you know, they don't have access to the, the Western social media that we do, which is like this spread of information. And so a lot of people aren't aware of the detrimental impacts of ah, that's uh, true, animals yeah. in captivity. And there's a lot of censorship in those countries as well. I think. Yeah. That probably contributes yeah. to that. Huh. It's, it's quite interesting. That's a theme that I discussed in the most recent episode that I did. Um, we're talking about access to information and how important that is. And, you know, so many people are so uninformed about things and it's not necessarily their fault. Um, because, you know, you, if you can't access information, you can't. Um, but that's really unfortunate that, you know, that lack of information is turning into like continued cultivation of a really devastating industry. Um, were, did you have the chance to go to any of the parks? I mean, I'm sure that's not something that you want to do because it's really sad to see, but um, did you, like, by chance get the chance to go see them? So I've never seen, um, on this 
on this particular film, I didn't mm-hmm. actually get the chance to see um, the orcas in the parks. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, although I disagree with it, I think that it would have probably been quite important too because I think that you really need to understand and see for yourself what goes on in the industry, uh, it, like on the inside. And I have no doubt that the trainers um, really do care about the um, yeah. animals there. Um, but I also just don't, don't believe that it is the appropriate uh, environment for those sentient beings. It's, it's, and yeah. so the f- footage that I did use from inside uh, aquariums was acquired from another filmmaker who Mm-hmm. Um, been to SeaWorld as a child and really enjoyed it. And then yeah. obviously growing up realized that, hang on a minute, why is there all of a sudden this change? And so she was very aware of it. And then so she went and visited, um, these aquariums and then saw it and had such a different perspective that second time round being older and really realizing, right. um, the, you know, just the hardship that they really go th- go through in, in those aquariums. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got my start, like, I, I've always loved animals, and I got my start in a zoo when I was, like, 14. But I, like, you know, my love for animals stemmed from going to the Columbus Zoo a bunch of times when I was a kid. Like, I lived at that zoo, and I would go and, like, look at animals. And so, you know, we just got to find ways to help people connect to wildlife without... um without, you know, exploiting these animals and without putting them in dangerous situations. I think that films like yours are definitely helpful because that, you know, you're providing that information. We just have to find a way to make it accessible to not only people here, but people in like those Asian countries as well that um, I guess have censorship and can't watch these films. But that's, it's definitely really interesting. Um, Did you like grow up going to zoos or aquariums or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I think that is what a lot of people's, you know, love for animals stemmed from because it was that, that kind of closeness and, and they're really the only place that you could see, uh, some, something like, you know, like a lion yeah. or a giraffe or anything like that. We don't, you know, I, living in Australia, yes, you do see kangaroos and whatnot, but you don't see those, those other types of animals and, and it, definitely that was one of the reasons why I, like you, like yourself, um, really grew to, uh, love animals. And I actually worked in a, um, a, an aquarium that didn't have any mammals at all. Right, so yeah. no seals or dolphins, it had sharks mm-hmm. and rays and stuff. Um, and, and I mean, that was also, you know, that was, there was a lot of things that I agreed with and a lot of things that I didn't necessarily agree with, even, um, just, just from being older and, and looking into, um, how, how it operates as a business. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. I think, yeah. That's interesting. I think that there is, um, there's, um, it's hard to find that balance between the education that you need for, um, you know, kids growing up and then, and also, um, you know, having that conservation, you know, but just presenting yourself as not just a tourist atta- attraction. I think if zoos and aquariums have a tourist attraction being their main priority, then they're 
then they're not doing the right thing. No, I agree with you. Um, and it's interesting too, because I like, you know, I've, I kind of thought that that was the only way to work with animals growing up in that sort of environment. Like I didn't, for some reason I was like, Oh, the only way to work with animals is to be a vet or to work at a zoo. And like, it didn't occur to me to go outside and like see wild animals. And as I got older, I realized that is where you find the animals. Um, and that's like where some of the most meaningful, impactful work and experiences are. Uh, but I found that a lot of zoos will, I've heard all of the spiels for why like zoos are good and they need to exist and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's not all good and it's not all bad. Um, I had an experience working at Clearwater Marine Aquarium in, um, Clearwater, Florida, and they have the dolphin who, Winter the Dolphin, who they made a movie about called Dolphin Tail, where she had the prosthetic, um, tail, like, cause she got wrapped up in monofilament and it cut off circulation and her tail fell off. Um, but she, essentially what this organization does is they rehabilitate, they rescue, rehabilitate, and release animals. And the ones that can't be released, they keep in captivity. Um, and they use them as stewards for the environment. And I think that if all of other zoos and aquariums could model their morals and their values and ethics off of Clearwater Marine Aquarium, we'd be in a much better place. Um, but I also talked in one of my episodes with Josh Murphy, who's the director of Artificial, and he was, you know, talking, he was encouraging people to go outside, like just go into your backyard. And I think that's where we need to start too with this environmental education is just encouraging people to go outside and just like look around because there is wildlife. A lot of times we don't, we just don't take the time to notice it. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think one of the things that people don't realize is like he was saying, go out and into your own backyard. Like, you know, I, I didn't need to necessarily travel to, um, other countries, you know, Iceland to film orcas or, or America, because there are orcas that I, I worked with back in, in Australia, but, um, it was just off season and that's the reason why I had to go abroad. But, um, I think that it's really, you, you take for granted what you grow up, um, with around you and then you kind of seek those other experiences. You know, you, you think it's more incredible to see, those exotic animals, um, yeah. you know, that, that might come from Africa as opposed to, um, you know, in America, you would have like a mountain lion or a bear yeah. and it's just something that you're used, used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the questions that I've kind of been contemplating while going through this or while talking to you is, you know, there's so many animals have been in captivity for a long time. There's a very interesting history of like animals being in circuses. Like if you look at Ringling and just like overall capture of animals and the way that people value them, why do you think that it's like that people care so much about killer whales and not necessarily the others? I think that people have realized that, well, originally People thought that orcas and, and killer whales, they were, they were, um, quite different and they were quite, you know, aggressive. And, you know, by labeling them killer whales, you just, you automatically put them in a certain box. Um, but I think that over time, people care about, uh, killer whales and, uh, a bit more because they're starting to realize just how intelligent they are. And with more science coming out, it's not just how intelligent they are, but also 
everyone thought that every killer whale was the same and with more science coming out you're realizing that there's different ecotypes and some of the some of the populations don't even haven't even been assigned an ecotype and so what I suppose we're realizing which is why it's so nerve-wracking about the southern residents is that they are their own essential species and like there is people that are trying to get it past that they are um they are their own like subspecies and that it is an absolute it will be an extinction if we lose them it's not just Mm -hmm. oh we've we've lost an you know a small part of a whole population it is you've lost the entire population and i think that's why especially the community around um seattle and um the whole of the state even um uh in washington have kind of almost pulled together because they they're becoming to realize that that killer whales are not just they're not just the same everywhere you go, everywhere around the world, that they are right, yeah. so genetically different. And, and not only is there differences amongst groups or ecotypes, but individual personalities exist as well. And I think that that's fascinating. And, I, you know, you, I think you're onto something that people can relate to these animals more. And I think the kill, killer whales are just a symbol and they're like, you know, they – they're the start for, they're the bridge between humans and animals in general, because I think we have such a divide. It's that idea of in-group homogeneity versus out-group um, heterogeneity, where you just think that people from the outside are different. And I think that we do that with animals as well. And that this is a theme that keeps coming up every single episode. I talk to people, I'm like, why are we different than animals? We're not like we are like we, we move through the world differently. We experience things like our perception of how things work is different. But when it comes down to it, you know, we have personalities, you, you, intelligence, struggles, and like resilience as well. And so I think it's, you know, the Southern residents have definitely been a symbol for a lot of people, a symbol for hope and, you know, bridging that gap. Um, it's really unfortunate right now because I have never seen people band together quite the way that they have for the Southern residents. I've seen a lot of different animal populations that people care about, but I think that this is the strongest force I've seen in a community. And we just need to get those dams down. And it's like, it's not happening because of special interest groups. Like realistically, I would like, you know, I was kind of not sure if I wanted to take a stance or say anything on that, but that's kind of the whole point of what this is. It's trying to light a fire underneath Bonneville Power Association and certain politicians in Washington to get those dams down because it makes no sense. And there's so many people that clearly care it has, you know, cultivated a community in the state of Washington and Seattle, which is something that's really beautiful. Um, so we just need to get the dams down. I'm just trying to get the dams down. But yeah. <laughs> anyways. Yeah, no, I, I think that, I think that there's a, there's, there is, it's quite phenomenal how that certain group uh, of animals have brought an entire state and entire community together and how passionate people are about that the animals about I mean, that they, group yeah they are truly like there's just I remember the first time I saw southern residents I literally just like got chills all the way down my body and then my I just like a pit sank into my stomach because it it became real 
Um, cause I spent the summer on those naturalist boats, which is where I met you. Um, and, um, I saw transient killer whales because that's all that was out there. And then I saw the Southern residents about halfway through the summer. And I was like, I like just in shock, but you could also see the behavioral differences and the cultural differences. And, um, you know, we really are so fortunate, like people like you and I that have seen the Southern residents, you know, um, cause they are endangered and, yeah, it's, they're, they're quite magical. I kind of want to hear about your experience seeing the Southern residents. Cause I did talk to you briefly while you were here. Um, but I didn't really get a chance to hear about it. Uh, so when I saw them, they had been missing for two months. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it, it was really, really exciting. And I, I knew, like, I didn't know that we were going to see them while I was there. And then on the morning I heard that they had come into, um, uh, into, was, is it Puget Sound? Um, well, the Puget Sound's a little bit south, but yeah, we're in the Salish Sea. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. I had, I, we, we heard that they were essentially back in the Salish Sea and we, we didn't know if we were going to see them that day. We mm-hmm. just knew that they, that they were around. And even just knowing that it was just a, um, there, there was a, a real, real ha- like happy sense that was, that was around, mm-hmm. I think the, the whole community when they're, cause they've obviously got all those social media things and the alerts go out. And anyway, and then when, when we did see them, we essentially knew it was them um, right away and they were just so acrobatic. They, I mm-hmm. have never seen um, such a, a an active group of orcas around, you know, so many people before because they just, you know, they – they know that that area is is theirs and um and it was it was quite incredible actually they were um they were so playful and and to to be you know to be that that oh, it's almost like they're so positive or they they're enjoying themselves even though they're undergoing these like really treacherous times and yeah and it's crazy to you know how do you you know, when they're starving, how do you have enough energy to breach out of the water, you know, multiple times? It's not just right. once or twice. It's just this continued thing. And so, I don't know, it was it was actually quite bittersweet though as well because I just, I was concerned about the, you know, them using all of that energy and not being able to necessarily get a lot. Right. Uh no, that's, I mean, that's definitely, yeah, it's bittersweet. And that's, it's really interesting. I think we have a lot to learn from killer whales in their resilience. Um, but the fact that like you're saying they were able to radiate that positivity and that energy, despite all of the treacherous things that they're dealing with and all the really heavy things. Um, I'm reading a book right now called Carnivore Minds and um, the author talks about like PTSD and animals. And I'm sure that that is something that killer whales experience. And not only are they starving and not really able to meet their basic needs, but they're losing family members. And that's really hard. Um, and I'm sure that they have like, they've learned things over generations and, um, that I don't, I don't know if they're able to carry on stories or pass down stories. Maybe that's one of the other things that makes humans humans is the ability to share stories. I don't know, but 
you know, I wonder if, if they're ever like affected or if they know like what their population used to look like or what life used to be like, but it's, it is really beautiful that they can still radiate that energy. And it, there's a, this idea of the collective unconscious, which essentially um, says that we all have collective energy or collective ideas or understandings um, that we don't necessarily communicate or think about consciously. And um, it makes me wonder if like maybe they were able to put on a show to kind of inspire people because I've read a lot of different books and it seems like when people are uninspired or when they're not paying attention, these animals are able to just come out with all of this magic and inspire people and change the way that things are viewed. And I don't know, there, there's definitely something special about these animals. I had the privilege in high school of um, going to Canada and studying polar bears. And I remember seeing a polar bear that was like also starving. And she came up and put her paws up on the tundra buggy. And I was like literally like three feet away from this polar bear crying because I'm looking down into her eyes. But like, you know, she still came over and was like, hey, I'm here, but like not quite the same way the killer whales did. So I wonder what it is that's in them. And that's probably what connects us to them. I don't know. I just have a lot of of questions that I can't answer. <laughs> but it's that's really cool that you had that experience. Yeah, um, I definitely, I, I think that there is a sense of even just just within themselves just to kind of um keep keep the fight alive um and and I do think when you were saying um that you know that they pass down stories I absolutely believe they do um because you know you you've got the the grandmothers and and the and the mothers that are you know the they live in a matriarchal um society and and that's how they they survive you know by passing down stories and telling each other where where the food is and how to hunt and all these types of things and and also um you know what to be careful of and and so I I definitely um agree with you on that that they um that they share stories and pass down information and I think that's how they have how they have survived in in such areas for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're just, uh, I like, I've, I've been so fortunate to have been to so many countries and it sounds like you have too, but there's just something about killer whales that they're like, that are just unique from other animals. And I can't put my finger on what it is. Um, but I really resonate with these animals and it sounds like you do too. Um, but we just got to get more people to, to see that beauty as well. And I'm so excited for your film to come out. And I think that that is really cool that you're looking at the social, like political issues, um, and how that has transformed since the documentary Blackfish. And I can't wait to see with what you come out next, um, with, but do you have any plans for films in the future or? Uh, yeah. So, well, essentially I want to, um, now that I've, gotten my masters um hopefully you know make more impactful films because blackfish essentially taught me the power of film and its ability to influence change in our society and that's what i see as being um my purpose is to yeah you know, continue to make impactful films to you know spread uh you know proper information and um, hopefully influence some posit- positive change. Yeah, and I, 
I can't wait to see it because I remember that night that we were sitting on the beach. I think it was like the night before you left and you were telling me about another documentary and your storytelling ability is just like, uh, it's so insane. It's magical. I was like getting chills and you were just like, you were just talking. And so I can't wait to see the magic and energy that you have put into films and for everyone else to see that. Um, also, I just want to like let everyone know that this master's program that you were in, what was it like 15 spots out of like a like and you got it like <laughs> like, like yeah yeah it's 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 it, yeah. it was pretty so, tricky to get into yeah so let's just take a second to recognize that you're a bad and um <laughs> that you're just like going to go out here and take the world by storm and I can't wait to see what you do um but that's like I'm so glad that I met you and that I've had the opportunity to talk with you I'm so excited for your film um, where can we access it once it's out? Uh, so I will be screening it online. I, th- I think I'm going to put it on uh, YouTube as opposed to Vimeo just because um, I think it will be easier to uh, access for mo- multiple people that way. So it will be on, yeah. on YouTube and I will share um, the link with you and you're able to pop it up on your podcast page. I'm so excited. Yes, definitely. Um, so is YouTube like, like something that you can access in all of the countries or is that why you're putting it there or is it just that it's free? Is that why it's more accessible? Yeah, I think just, just because it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a free to use. Yeah. Um, media. Awesome. Cool. Well, I don't know that I have any other questions. Do you have any final thoughts or anything that you want to share with people? Um, no, that was, I think covered quite a, quite a bit of it. Yeah, I think we did too. And it was so good to catch up. I'm glad that you're thriving and you're out there changing the world. I can't wait to see what you do next. So, um, (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me.